Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. I'm your host, Roger Welton, practicing veterinarian. We are back on track to continue the preventative pet healthcare series. Took a little detour there to do some final thoughts, and I had that particularly frustrating week where I had to vent a little bit about uh, some some difficult difficult situations I had to navigate through, and a lot of what inspires me to write about and talk about and come to you folks to discuss and share comes from my experiences, and, and that particular day, I just felt compelled to take a little bit of a detour and uh, you know just highlight some things I thought was important to share. And that was uh, my week when ignorance was on full display. And I don't want to get much into it right now, but if you want to hear about it, feel free to tune in. It was the previous, uh, the episode immediately preceding this one. But at any rate, we're back on the Preventative Pet Healthcare Series. And just to review what my goal here is, to highlight exactly what each individual component of pet wellness and preventative healthcare is. Because we've seen well visits drop off considerably, particularly in the species I will be talking about tonight, which is the feline. And as a result, we are seeing a lot of lack of compliance. And one of the reasons I believe that that has occurred is because I believe that veterinarians in large measure began to take for granted the fact that people were buying in, people were understanding the role that well care played in keeping not just their pets but their families healthy and free of disease. And the message just got lost because people, you know, they would just commonly say, hey, could I take my dog in for shots? Can I take my cat in for shots? And then the veterinarians would go through their go through their motions and, you know, draw a heartworm uh test blood and get some stool and give them their shots and really not discuss essentially what what we're testing for, what we're checking for, what we're vaccinating for and how important it is, how the animals catch these things. And when I have the discussion with pet owners now and I'm more engaged because of this sort of epiphany I had about the role that veterinarians have played in the drop-off in well care, you know, Things have changed. You see, at least with my own clients, I see them really buying in and understanding and being more excited to engage in, in this well care, not just for their pets, but understanding that it's, it's, it's good prevention for the whole community. It's good prevention for the whole family. Some of these diseases people can catch. So, you know, it's so much more to it uh, than just the shots. So tonight we're going to talk about feline well care. And we're going to be discussing a core vaccine called the FVRCP. That is a three viral vaccine. Two of the viruses we can kind of group together, herpes virus and Khaleesi virus. They are different, but they are similar in that they both cause upper respiratory disease complex in cats. And just when we're discussing upper respiratory, we're talking about the nasal sinuses, the trachea, so the major airway that connects the throat and the bronchi which are the major airways that split into each lung. So when we're talking about respiratory, we're talking trachea and up. So we get a head cold, that's an upper respiratory infection. Now, don't take it lightly just because I'm saying upper respiratory infection because they can be particularly brutal. I had a cat come in just two days ago that had herpes viral infection, had a fever of 104.8. It's almost a fever of 105 just from herpes virus. Kitty was really sick. Some of these cats have to be hospitalized, and 
the other troubling thing is these things are extremely contagious. So let's talk about herpes virus first. Herpes virus is a, f a relatively fragile virus. It <clears throat> doesn't really exist well in the environment. And that's one of the good things about it. But one the bad thing about herpes is that it can aerosolize. It can get an air duct. And although it's not going to live long, it can tear its way through a veterinary hospital, a cattery, a shelter. Um, it's, it's very common, so common that 80 plus percent of cats are known to have been exposed to herpes virus. So in the vaccine, it's, we, we're calling it rhinotracheitis is the name of the disease complex that herpes virus causes. And it usually starts with a pretty massive outbreak. So the patient is you know, really debilitated, sick, snotty nose, runny eyes. Uh, sometimes the herpes virus can even cause ulcers of the cornea because it does like to attack the tissue of the eyes. So the membranes that surround the eyes called the conjunctiva and the cornea themselves, so we can actually see what are called herpetic ulcers. So this is a nasty virus. And one of the most troubling things about herpes virus is that it never goes away. Just like herpes viruses in people, once a patient or person is infected, you're going to keep that herpes virus forever. Now, in most cases, the body goes into a, an existence where it keeps the herpes virus at bay, but then down the road, when stress may occur or illness that suppresses the immune system or chemotherapy, HIV, you know, whatever, or just the immune system isn't what it used to be because of age, herpes viruses can rear their ugly head again. And you can see chronic recurrences. So like, for example, when a lot of us as kids had chicken pox and down the road later on, what we're seeing is the adult manifestation of that so person is now you know senior age person and not always a senior age person sometimes as i said a person who's inordinately stressed immune suppressed for whatever reason they ha they they that disease manifests as shingles and shingles is actually a very painful uh, adult presentation of chickenpox but it's the same virus it never just really never went away it remains latent in the host dna so that's one of the really troubling things about herpes virus now in most cases, they get the outbreak, that initial outbreak, and within 14 to 21 days, often with ancillary care. So, you know, I'll commonly treat them with fluids, antibiotics, not that antibiotics can kill a virus, but commonly we get a secondary bacterial complication, opportunistic infection with a bacteria called chlamydia that can really aggravate and actually even cause pneumonia and go to the lower respiratory system in some of these cases. So nothing to take lightly just because it's upper respiratory and it's extremely contagious. So that's herpes virus. And let's talk about now Khaleesi virus. Khaleesi virus is also a respiratory pathogen. It's a virus and has a very similar mode of activity of herpes, although we don't really commonly see the ocular involvement. There might be some runny eyes and the eyes are irritated, but we don't typically see those outright infections of, of the eyes or even ulcers of the eyes like we see with herpes. So it's one of the subtle differences between the two, but they can be very difficult to distinguish without testing. But her, Khaleesi virus, here's what's scary about Khaleesi virus. It can last in the environment. So whereas herpes virus is extremely fragile in the environment and doesn't last very long, Khaleesi virus can, is known to last as long as 10 months 
which is really, really troubling because it means it can persist in environments forever. 10 months is a very long time. So that would mean that any of the urine, the droppings, nasal secretions, even licking uh, could, could transmit this disease as long as 10 months after the patient's recovered from it. So it's something that we really got to take a look at preventing. And the other difference between Khaleesi virus and herpes virus is whereas herpes will do upper respiratory and ocular, Khaleesi virus can attack the gums and predispose to periodontal disease and a disease called stomatitis where the feline patient can develop ulcers on the gums. And this is a, sort of a chronic version of Khaleesi virus that, uh, you know, commonly when we see, you know, particularly young cats, so like a three-year-old cat, four-year-old cat that should not have profound periodontal disease, it has, you know, the mouth of like a, a 13-year-old cat that's never had any dental work. And there's teeth that are rotting and receding gum lines and gums are bleeding and, you know, there's ulcerations. Well, those cats typically are Khaleesi virus sufferers. And so they've gone beyond now the upper respiratory presentation, have this chronic stomatitis situation. So again, not nothing to take lightly. So just, just because we throw out upper respiratory infection, oh, it's just a cold. No, herpes virus and Khaleesi virus are not just colds. So the third virus in this mix, and the reason I'm, I'm kind of putting it all together, you know, I broke down, I broke out the dog's into individual diseases, even though there was the DHPP vaccine that covered each one, because each disease was a pretty pretty profoundly different from the next. Well, in the case of felines, we have the two upper respiratories, which is herpes and Khaleesi. The third one is actually called panleukopenia. It's erroneously called feline distemper. I don't know how that ever happened because it is nothing like distemper virus in dogs. In fact, there's no relation to it. The presentations are completely different. In fact, panleukopenia is actually caused in cats by a parvovirus. And so we, when we were talking about the dogs, we talked about parvo as part of the DHPP immunization. And parvo is a, has an affinity for the GI tract. And it has an affinity for rapidly dividing cells in general, but it usually starts in the GI tract. So very contagious disease, very serious disease, just like parvo in dogs. We're looking at a 50%, as high as a 50% mortality rate with aggressive care. And the, the most common presentation is bleeding or let's say hemorrhagic, like so, you know, blood tinged, very fetid, smelly, diarrhea that's projectile in nature, very liquidy. And if you've been practicing medicine for some time, you know the smell of it. The minute it comes in, you smell it. Same with the dogs in the parvo. You smell it. It's like, that smells like, that smells like parvo. So that's when we're going to suspect panleukopenia. These cats, so it doesn't just attack the rapidly dividing cells of the gut. It also attacks the rapidly dividing cells of the bone marrow. And these are Cells that are, or let's say, uh, organ apparatus responsible for two things, the synthesis of red blood cells and the synthesis of white blood cells. So red blood cells are the oxygen-carrying capacity of the body. Red blood cells pick up oxygen in the lungs, 
Red blood cells are what make the blood red. That oxygen is then carried by the red blood cells to all the different tissues of the body to make sure the body gets oxygenated properly. So a deficiency of them is not good. And usually these patients are anemic. And when I say anemic, I'm referring to low red blood cells. They're anemic for two reasons. Number one, the bone marrow is getting attacked by the virus and it's getting suppressed. But number two, they're losing blood in their stool because their gut is, their gut is, they're actually actively bleeding into their gut. The other thing is white blood cells. That's the other line of blood cells that are synthesized in the bone marrow that's typically under attack when a patient's infected with parvovirus. Those white blood cells are the body's first line of defense against infection. So when those white blood cells are suppressed, guess what? On top of the viral disease, you commonly get these secondary bacterial opportunistic diseases that exacerbate things. And that's why it can be so challenging for these patients to recover. So that's panleukopenia, P-A-N-L-E-U-K-E-M-I-A, panleukopenia. So that's the, the core vaccine, the FVRCP. It has herpes virus, it has Khaleesi virus, and it, it protects against panleukopenia. Now, of course, when we, when we vaccinate, we're not vaccinating with these actual viruses. We're va- vaccinating with either killed or modified virus. It's not going to cause clinical disease, but mimic the organism enough that the body will de- mount an immune response against the disease. Folks, this is very important. Take it very seriously because lives can be saved and lives can be lost. The cats, unfortunately, more than half my well visits are dogs. Even though two to three times, there's two to three times the owners of cats than there are owners of dogs. And what does that tell you? The cats are really getting, they're really getting screwed here. <laughs> uh, they're they're not getting they're not getting the the well care. They're going to be especially the cats that go outside just playing with fire not getting them immunized for these diseases so here's how this vaccine goes i you know there's different protocols but the the i follow the avma and aha protocols avma is the american veterinary medical association and aha is the american animal hospital association and these governing bodies of veterinary medicine studied immunizations and their length of protective antibody titer and realistic protection from an infectious disease standpoint. And a lot of vaccine reform happened because of this in the early 2000s, about when I graduated. So back in the day, the FVRCP was given every year, just like the canine distemper was given every year. Uh, we've amended that. The What we do now is when they are kitten, at 6, 9, and 12 weeks, the vaccine is given initially at six weeks, then boosted at nine and 12 weeks. After the 12-week booster, we then booster it one more time, one year later. And then after that one-year booster, we then go to once every three-year administration of the vaccine. And that's pretty much the main feline core vaccine in a nutshell. And, uh, you know, that's something for you to, you to think about and understand its importance. And even if you have an indoor cat, just think about 10 months of Khaleesi virus existing in an environment where it once was. You're a renter, you move into a house, there could be Khaleesi virus hanging out there. Maybe there was a feline owner before you. 
you know, may, maybe maybe uh, here in Florida, it's very popular to have indoor cats, essentially, but they go out on a screen porch. So they get the best of both worlds, get to be outside, but they're safe, they're enclosed. Stray cats are a serious epidemic here in Florida, and they commonly will come into our backyards, rub up against our screens. Our cats come over, they rub up against the same screen because they're smelling the other cat that came by maybe the night before even two days before we know tomcats especially like to mark so maybe they're going to smell the marking boom they got herpes virus or khaleesi that often we give it almost just as, as much as is necessary the next vaccine i'm going to talk about in the next episode is for a disease called feline leukemia feline leukemia is a deadly virus there really is no treatment for it no effective treatment for it so essentially your kitty gets it invariably that cat's going to die typically within three years time so the other now there's there's an effective vaccine against that and we'll, we'll get into the nuances of that but now also i'll also be touching on fiv which is feline immunodeficiency virus in the same family of viruses as hiv in people although people cannot catch it fiv and felines cannot catch hiv they're species specific but we'll be discussing that particular disease there is no effective vaccine for it but we want to discuss prevention and want to discuss screening for it. And we'll get to all of that in our next episode. Thank you for your attention and your time and your patience as I detoured from the preventative pet healthcare series. We only have one or two of these left, and then we're going to get back to other business. But this is really important for me, a project that's very close to my heart, and I appreciate you sticking with me. I see the number of listens with each episode, they've actually increased. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to be banging along with this preventative pet healthcare series. I hope people don't get sick of it. <laughs> in fact, the opposite has happened. I believe that I've probably brought in new listeners because people really want to know about what well care is and what it means. They want to hear from their veterinarian. And because they're not necessarily asking the questions, we took it for granted for too long, but no more, no more, at least not in my practice and not to my listeners. I will divulge everything and be clear about it so you know what we're vaccinating for, what we're screening for, and what the purpose of our well care is overall. Thank you so much for your time, and I will talk to you soon. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.